All right, Mercy Road, how are we feeling this morning? Everybody good? Yeah? yeah? All right. That's a lot more energy than the first two services. I'm going to blame it on the fact that you got to sleep in. Sounds good, man. It's uh, really great to be here with you guys. My name is Davey, if I haven't gotten a chance to meet you. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and we are closing out our series called Fight Club. And this has been one of my favorite series. I don't know, have you enjoyed it? It's been a good series for you guys. And, and I think it's because um, right now it feels like there's so much of our culture that's kind of fighting amongst themselves and fighting against each other. And we're talking about a different kind of fight. We're talking about more of a spiritual battle and fighting for health in the midst of all of the craziness that's happening, that's happened over the past few months. And I love this because the reality is, is like, I need you, you've got to understand that you and I can thrive in this season. You believe that? It's not a season where we just have to survive, just kind of skate by and just, just grit it and bear it. We can thrive. And that's what we've been trying to unpack is how in all the different areas and aspects of our lives, we can find health and we can thrive and we can be ready to, be, to do and be a part of whatever God is asking us and inviting us to be a part of. We can be on mission with him because we are a healthy, fit body who's able to step and move with him. And so I believe God's about to do something really, really, really powerful in his church across the country. And I'm excited that as, at, Mer at Mercy Road, we're, we're getting ready. We're getting fit for that. So um, today I wanna talk about one topic that is gonna kind of put an exclamation point on this. They asked me to talk about the idea of emotional health, which I think is very ironic because I have three kids. <clears throat> Amen, somebody, right? <laughs> like there's not much more of an emotionally unhealthy or unstable season as when you're having three kids. It was fine for us with two, because we could handle that. We were man-to-man -man -man defense, everybody, you know. But when you move to three, you're outnumbered. You're in the zone. We're not used to that zone defense. And so we've been trying to learn about and relearn about emotional health. And we've kind of pulled out some stuff from the archives and looked at it together. And we've learned some things. If, if you've ever... Uh, if I've ever had the privilege of being able to teach to you, you understand that I'm a preacher at heart, so I like to preach. But today, I want to be as helpful as possible, and I'm going to sit down intentionally so I can just teach, if that's okay. I want to give you as much practical handholds as possible for how to be emotionally healthy. Because if we're honest, this past season has caused a lot of emotions and emotional responses that we maybe, frankly, don't understand about ourselves, right? Like if, I, like if, I'm, if I'm honest, I was just talking to uh, someone out there in the, in the lobby, and she said it best. She said, I just feel this like pervasive irritability right now. Like you can sense it when you drive around Indianapolis, can't you? Like for whatever reason, and people are a little bit more irritable, you're, you're feeling a little more irritable. There's just something about this culture and climate right now. And so I think it's really appropriate and important that we learn what it looks like to be emotionally healthy. I'm gonna use Matthew chapter seven, which is the launch pad that we have used for this entire series. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter seven. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about verse 24 and through 27. One of my favorite passages in scripture, it says this, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Stop right there for real quick. Who's, who's speaking right here? Does anybody know? Jesus. Yeah. Hey, that was a soft toss. That was an easy one. Usually the answer in church is Jesus. Okay. And so Jesus is talking this is the end of the Sermon on the Mountain. And this, it goes on in verse 25. It says, the rain came down, the storm, the, uh, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, the, wind, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. One of the reasons that I love this passage is because um, there's so much truth in this. Obviously it's God's word, but in the fact that the storms came for both the wise man and the foolish man. 
How many of you know that storms are not bias, right? They come for all of us. We are all going to experience, we have experienced seasons of pressure, of adversity, of trial, of trauma. We've all experienced it. It's not like, it's not like okay, well, if you follow Jesus, then you know, everything's gonna be good and peachy for you. No, 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 right? We're all gonna experience storms. Here's the difference maker, the distinguisher between the two of them. The wise man built his house on the rock and in the midst of his storm, his house did not fall. You see this? It still thrived. It still bore fruit. It still was a a safe place for his family and for him to bring and invite other people into because he built it on the rock. The other reason I really love this passage is because we use this sometimes in marriage counseling and I always ask him this question. I always say, which household would you like to be? Would you like to be the household that was built on the rock that stood or the one that was built on the sand that crashed in the midst of the storm? Which one would you like to be? Inevitably, everybody says this. What, What do they say? They say the the wise man on the rock, right? That's what they always say. And so then I say, okay, well, how does Jesus explain to us that we need to be the wise man? What do we have to do in order to do this? What do we build our house on? And everybody inevitably says what? Yeah, firm found a rock. They say Jesus. And I'm like, ah, caught you. That's not exactly what he says right here. Yes, the rock is Jesus, but the way that we build our house on the rock is very explicit. He says it very clearly right here. What does he say at the very beginning? He says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. This is why it's so, this is so important. I feel like for so long in church, whether directly, indirectly, intentionally, unintentionally, there has been a culture that has been created that if we show up to church and we listen to the words of Jesus, somehow we're good. That that by osmosis is gonna lead us to transformation. And it's not true. Information does not lead to transformation, although that's what we like to think, right? It's something else. There's something else. We have to listen to the words of Jesus and put them into practice, which is why I have a, um, a bottle of sunscreen up here. How many of you guys got sunburnt this summer? Anybody? Anybody go out? Okay, got sunburnt this summer? All right. Um, I used to not wear sunscreen. My philosophy was, here's how I'm gonna create my base for the summer. I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna get burnt, it's gonna peel, and there's my base. I'm ready to go now. Bring it on, son, right? And then I started learning, you know, it's probably not the healthiest for me not to wear sunscreen and get it. Listen, I get, there's, there's two sides of the equation, two sides of the argument. People have done research on both sides. Don't send me an email. I've done research on both sides. I've decided I'm probably going to put some sunscreen on, okay? And so I started wearing sunscreen and it actually works, right? And, and it's, so, it's, it's so interesting because, you know, my wife and I, sometimes we like, like to, you know, banter. I'll have her put sunscreen on me and she'll like do it really uneven, you know, just so I get these weird streaks on my back or like the handprint on the back, you know what I mean? It's just kind of a, a, fun, a fun joke. It's very cruel, but it's very, it's very funny when you look at it afterwards in retrospect. But here's the thing about sunscreen. There's a lot of information about how sunscreen is helpful and beneficial to you. But it does you no good if you just read the information. In order for the sunscreen to be effective, what do you have to do? You have to apply it. The same is true for God's word. It does us friends no good to just read God's word, to listen to God's word, to hear God's word, unless we apply it. And if there's some kind of an exclamation point we can put on this whole series, we have to understand that Matthew chapter seven is very clear to us that information plus application leads to transformation. If you wanna experience transformation in your life, you wanna build your house on a firm foundation, 
You've got to take the information, Jesus's words, and put them into practice. And we wanna talk about what that looks like in terms of emotional health today. Um, it's, it's always interesting when you talk about emotional health because you have people on all sides of the spectrum when it comes to emotions. And unfortunately, culture has, it's getting better now because we're beginning to see a lot of the, 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 the rising up right now of a lot of mental instability and unhealth, emotional instability and unhealth, and all of us have been affected by in some way, some shape or form, someone who has on the far extreme or degree has been affected by emotional, mental unhealth, even to the point of extreme anxiety, extreme depression, potentially suicide. And in this season, we've all heard reports and statistics that it's been a rise of addictions and a rise of suicides. Because this season, for whatever reason, is a pressurized season that is causing unhealth to rise up in each one of us. And I think it's very important, not just important, it's essential for us if we're going to be healthy followers of Jesus, healthy spiritually, we have to determine where we are on the spectrum of that and understand how to become emotionally healthy. For some reason, we tend to think that being emotionally healthy means that we always feel happy. And that's not true. It's not true. Emotional health is not always feeling this feeling of positivity, elation, uh, feeling like you're riding on the heights. That's not emotional health. Emotional health is understanding the emotions that you're feeling and giving your reactions enough space from your emotions so that you can react in a healthy way. That's emotional health. You are not emotionally unhealthy if you feel negative feelings. You're not. And what we're gonna talk about in here is scripture shows us in many ways, not only is it okay to feel negative feelings, but how do we deal with those negative feelings and that they're actually not invitation or they're not interruptions to something that's going on. They're invitations from God to bring us into a deeper space with him a deeper understanding of who he is and a deeper understanding of who we are. But growing up, listen, for me, because I'm a dude and for whatever reason, uh, culture has kind of pigeonholed men and stereotypes into we are not emotive beings, right? We don't, we're not supposed to deal with emotions. Like for whatever reason, the, the gender stereotype is women are the ones that are more emotive. Men, we're supposed to live by the philosophy of rub some dirt on it, right? I deal with it. You know, I want to teach my little boy how to be resilient. So just run. No, uh-uh. Don't get slide tackled in soccer and come crying to me. Rub some dirt on it, boy. You're going to be all right. You know what I mean? But this is dangerous. I do believe there are places for us to say, hey, listen, <laughs> we're going to have to toughen up a little bit. But the constant, persistent, pervasive philosophy of we don't deal with our emotions, we don't address our emotions, we just stuff them, we suppress them, actually does a lot more damage to us in a lot of different facets of life. Because we are, listen, we are not unidimensional beings. God did not create us as unidimensional beings. He created us multifaceted. He created us with different aspects of our life, emotional, relational, financial, occupational, with callings, spiritual. And what you've got to understand is the spiritual health for us is the foundation by which everything is held together. And so while our spiritual health is our foundation, our emotional health becomes one of the best indicators or alerts to us that something else is off kilter in our lives. It was a gift from God. Emotions are a gift. Do you know that God is an emotional God? 
Like sin did not bring emotions into this world. You get that, right? He created us with emotions for reasons. And to diminish emotions, to walk around with this philosophy of rub dirt on it, don't deal with it, suppress it, right? Diminish it. To diminish that is actually to diminish the imago day that God has created you for. The purpose that he has for you. And you and I, listen, we cannot step into the full purposes that God has for us unless we learn how to deal with, address, understand, and respond properly to our emotions. If we continually have this rub dirt on it mentality, we're not gonna deal with the emotions, we're, not, we're just gonna suppress it. What ends up happening is when you try to bury a feeling, a feeling buried never dies. It comes up at some point. And I had that philosophy, I'm just gonna charge hard, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of dig through my emotions, I'm gonna go, if I'm feeling something, I'm feeling stress, I'm just gonna go work out. And, and that did not hold up for me, friends, when tragedy hit my life. Something is going to come into your life, I promise you, where that just grit it and bear it will not hold up. And if we're going to experience wholeness and health and healing in all the aspects of our life, we have to step into the invitation that God has for us with emotions. Stuffing it does one thing. It creates a soft skin and a hardened heart. You see this? Many of you may know people who their heart is calloused and hardened because of the trauma or the experience that they've had and they've not dealt with that. And so they have this really hard heart, but every time you, every, it's like everything that touches them, they like react to. And they have soft skin. It's like a, like a flesh wound that's still soft. And what God wants to do is he wants to invite us into doing the absolute opposite where we have a soft heart that's tender and compassionate toward people but we have tough skin and we don't take things as personally. And that, my friends, is the key to resilience. What I'm learning is if I wanna teach my little boy resilience, I gotta teach him how to have a soft heart that understands his emotions and is not responding out of his emotions in an unhealthy way. That's emotional health. So can I give you some practical things on how do we begin to do this? Three things. The first thing that we have to do if we're gonna be emotionally healthy is we have to one, observe your feelings. Observe your feelings. So when you feel something, you can't just diminish it. You can't stuff it. You can't suppress it. You've gotta actually get some space and hold it out and go, okay, uh, what's going on here? And get curious about it and observe it because this is the only way that you can begin to start reacting in a healthy way toward your emotions. How many of you guys have ever seen... Um, the, this, I'm gonna show you a graphic right here, this, this fa uh, fact, faith, feeling train. Has anybody ever seen that? Raise your hand if you've ever seen this right here. Okay, perfect. Um, this is used to teach in so many different stories. This is a fantastic tool to, to help us understand things. Oftentimes our feelings become something that we use to drive the train of our life. When we are reacting unhealthily to our emotions and our feelings, it affects everything else. If we're not healthy, listen to me, friends, there's a major cost. It's gonna cost you relationally. Every one of us has probably experienced something where we have said something that we regret to somebody else and it's caused damage in a relationship, right? Because we reacted emotionally. We let our feelings drive our train. Pastor Ken preached a couple weeks ago about financial health. Well, oftentimes the financial decisions that we make that we regret are a result of us reacting emotionally, right? 
Is that just me? Is that it? Okay. <laughs> Everybody's like, huh? I'm good, Davey. I don't have any financial decisions that I regret. Okay, well, cool. Then I'm just preaching to myself right now. <laughs> it affects every, in fact, listen to me. There's so much rhetoric, you, you, you know, right now where um, the, one of the determining factors on whether or not you're going to get a particular job is not because of how intelligent you are, not your IQ, it's your EQ, your emotional ability to be able to work with people to be able to handle stressful situations, they're drilling down and looking at that right now because for whatever reason, especially in the church, we have either denied our emotions or we become directed by our emotions. And that's the spectrum that we live on. But I'm telling you, listen, our emotions cannot be a roadmap telling us where to go. Our emotions have to be this red light indicator letting us know where we are. So instead of our feelings being at the front of our life train, we've got to begin to put facts at the front of our life train. We've got to begin to say, hey, what's truth in this situation? Here's what I feel, but what's truth? And I get it. Listen, like Davey, there's so much information going on, so much misinformation going on in our culture right now. I don't know what's true. Can I tell you something? Let me tell you what's true. God's word. God's word is true, it is pervasive, it has is, it is stood the test of time through any culture, through any kind of cultural tensions, through any kind of rise and fall of different kingdoms, God's kingdom, God's word remains true. And so when we feel something, what we've gotta do is go back to God's word and say, well, what does God's word say to be true? And I promise you, there will always be moments where God's word does not line up with our feelings. And that's okay. You are not somehow sinful or wicked when your feelings do not line up with God's word. It probably happens to me on the daily. And that's where faith bridges the gap. This is faith, friends. If you wanna talk about how do we build our foundation on a rock, we go, man, I'm experiencing this, I'm observing this, I'm seeing this. These are the things that I feel right now. <laughs> And yet, here's the things I know to be true. And Jesus, when you tell me to take the step forward here, when it doesn't make sense, I'm choosing to hear your words and put them into practice no matter what. If we're going to maintain emotional health, we've got to put facts of God's word at the front of our train. And when we don't feel it, we choose to respond in faith. Now, oftentimes people will show you this and they'll go, all right, as soon as you feel an emotion, you need to start preaching to your emotions. Just preach God's words to your emotions. You start feeling loneliness, you need to start preaching, saying, ah, I am never alone. You have never abandoned me. You've never forsaken me. I am not alone, right? And, and I feel like that that's damaging, to be honest with you, immediately. Because eventually you need to get to the place where you preach to your emotions. But if you don't understand your emotions, you don't know what to preach. That would be like Josh saying, Davey, I want you to preach on emotional health and me getting up and going, all right, here's what I'm gonna preach on. I'm gonna preach on finances today. You missed it, bro. <laughs> you missed it. You're applying the wrong, I mean, it's true, but it's the wrong truth to this situation. Why? Because you didn't get curious and observe what that emotion was. What if you're feeling loneliness and God's inviting you into something different than just telling yourself you're not alone? What if he's actually intentionally removing people from your life, withholding certain things from you strategically so he can get you into a space to reveal a different truth to you because it's the first time you've ever slowed down enough to be alone and not listen to the voices of the world? It's, it's, so we've got to step and go, wait a minute, what am I feeling? Right? Okay, now I'm preaching. I got to sit back down. 
It's 1130. I'm getting excited. We got, we got to go, what am I feeling right now? What exactly is this? And why am I feeling it? Maybe God's trying to reveal some kind of an identity issue to you right now. And that's why you're feeling loneliness. You've built your identity around community and what other people say that you are rather than what God says that you are. So we apply the right scripture to the emotion. And the only way we can do that is by observing our feelings. Take a step back. Look at it. What is this? Get curious about this. Number two, we've got to label our feelings. Label your feelings. This week I was talking to somebody on our podcast, Nothing Is Wasted podcast, and they said this, and I was like, can you just come preach my message for me? Or excuse me, teach my message for me? <laughs> they said, they said, we cannot change what you will not name. Let that sit in for a second. You cannot change what you will not name. As long as something stays hidden inside of you, it is going to continue to fester and grow and begin to gain power over you. Scripture tells us that as Christians, we have the same power in us through the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So we are not to be overpowered by anything, including our emotions. Emotions can seem overwhelming, but they don't have to overtake us. But the only way for us to begin to gain, regain power over those emotions is by naming the emotions. I've said this before, but it goes saying again, the first job that God gave Adam and Eve, that he gave mankind, was to have dominion over or power over to subdue the earth, to cultivate it, to grow and produce and, and multiply, okay? How did he tell Adam to subdue the earth, to have dominion over it? How? The first thing he said is name the animals. Name them. He that names has dominion. And when you begin to label emotions, it robs the power away from those emotions. So we do like an exercise with our kids sometimes where maybe at the dinner table, we've got like these little emoji charts or something and we have them point to, hey, how, how did you feel today? To try to get them to begin expressing their emotions in something other than sad, happy, bored, you know? Like, let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's explore these a little bit and let's name them because then we can begin to untangle them and then we can get power over them, right? So let me give you five forbidden feelings that for whatever reason in the church, we've said, nah, you're not supposed to feel these things. And I'm telling you, it's okay to feel these things. Why? Because they're not interruptions, they're invitations. God created us and wired us to feel these things so we can step into deeper healing with him. The first one is this, fear. Anybody felt fear over the past season? I'll be the first one to raise my hand. Fear can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. Anxiety, right? Nerves. Fear is a pretty pervasive feeling for us right now. And for, for whatever reason, as Christians, we think that we're supposed to be so steadfast and stoic that we don't ever feel fear. Well, Davey, I mean, Bible says 366 times, do not fear. <laughs> One for every day of the year, including the leap year. It is true. The Bible says do not fear a lot, but it's not because fear is a sin. It's because Jesus knew that in this world, we, will have, we would have trouble and we would need to be not rebuked for feeling fear, but reminded that in the midst of our fear, his presence is still 
stronger. Fear is this neurological, physiological response that alerts us to danger. It is a gift, friends. It helps to start up that instinctive fight or flight mechanism inside of us. But if we let fear drive us, then it leads us to do some really unhealthy things. But if we don't deal with fear, it actually begins to get worse and manifests itself in long-term anxiety, PTSD, unhealthy phobias. Scripture tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not, of, spirit not of what? Fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. So fear is an invitation for us to trust God, trust in God's protection and provision. Do you know that Jesus experienced fear? Do you know that? I mean, the most explicit situation that we see in scripture where he experienced fear was in the Garden of Gethsemane after, uh, the night before he was arrested, tried, and taken to the cross to die for the sins of the world. I mean, that would cause any of us to feel excruciating feelings of fear. In fact, scripture tells us he began to, in his anxiousness, sweat drops of blood, which is a medical condition called a matadrosis. That's a resulting of blood coming through your pores because you were under so much duress and anxiety. He was fearful. Can I tell you something though? Jesus explored that fear in that moment. He didn't just immediately go to preaching to his fear. We do not see Jesus in that moment going, ah, I'm not supposed to feel fear. Fear not for I'm with you. No, no, no. What do he do? God, is there, is there any other way? Like, can we, is there any other way we can, I am feeling so anxious about this. My soul is in so much distress. Can we do anything else? And as he took it to the feet of the father, he learned truth and was reminded of the truth that his mission was to go to the cross for the joy set before him, go to the cross so that you and I could be set free. And it gave him a renewed strength, a Holy Spirit power to go into that mission. But only because he took it to the feet of the father, he observed his feelings and he labeled it. You want to experience that kind of resurrection. You've got to take it to the feet of the father observe it and label it properly. It's not a sin to feel this emotion. The next one, I've got to, you got to listen faster because this is 1130. I tend to preach longer. The second one, grief. Grief. I mean, I've, I've experienced a, like lots of grief and maybe you've lost somebody too that's really, really close to you. Or maybe you've lost someone or something different. Maybe a lost job or a lost opportunity or a lost dream. And everywhere that we experience loss, we have to step into the real negative emotion of grief. We do not do this as a culture very well. We do not understand how to lament and dig in. We would rather, because it's a negative emotion, it's scary, we would rather numb. My counselor told me, he said, David, you cannot selectively numb. If you numb those negative emotions, you numb grief, you numb fear. If you try to just cope with them, you will also by nature numb the positive emotions that God wants you to feel. This is why scripture says there's weeping that tarries through the night, but joy comes in the morning. There's always this, this first and then this. This is why Paul says, I have to first step into the suffering of Christ before I can experience the resurrection of Christ. The pathway to us experiencing power, getting back over top of our emotions is to actually enter into those emotions and to deal with them. Grief's hard. Several occasions after I lost my first wife, there, I, had to, I had to consciously step into experiencing waves after waves after waves of grief. And, and every time I finally did, I finally chose to, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna just let myself go in this. 
immediately following that would be waves of grace. And there was just this lift that happened in my spirit and it no longer had power over me. Grief is an, is an invitation for us to heal and grow deeper. You know, Jesus experienced grief and he wept. It's the shortest, most profound verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Why? Because he had just witnessed the carnage of sin in that it brought death into this world and took his cousin and took his great friend in Lazarus, his cousin in John the Baptist, his great friend in Lazarus, and he saw the ripple effect of that and it weighed on him and he wept. Is it sin? Is it sin? No, it's a necessary step for us to step into. The next one is anger. Anger. Woof! It's a good emotion, isn't it? Some of us are feeling this a lot right now, aren't we? Um, anger's an interesting emotion because anger oftentimes is a more surface level emotion. If you dig up underneath anger, there's usually a more vulnerable emotion that's actually the root of that anger. So you feel that quickening of your heart, that visceral reaction of anger, like, ah! What anger is, it's a gift from God to alert us of some kind of injustice. Often we feel anger because we feel like we have been a victim of injustice. And that's not a bad thing. But we have to first get underneath that anger and go, what am I really feeling here? That's a little bit more vulnerable. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to share this, but my wife and I, um, we, everyone has their conflict styles. We, in our, we're both very um, intense individuals and we also, um, we don't back down, <laughs> right? And, and everybody's each to each his own. And we both kind of feel anger in sometimes what we say to each other. And so what we're learning just in transparency and vulnerability is instead of first responding out of that anger to dig a little deeper and go, why am I feeling angry right now? And I promise you every time we've gone like, wait a minute, hold on, um, I'm sorry. When you said that, what I actually felt was shame. Man, that's a vulnerable place to be, but it is the door that leads to intimacy in your relationships. When you have this safe space where you can go, hey man, listen, I'm actually what you said, it really, it hurt me. Rather than responding out of anger, there is some health that begins to get infused into your relationships. And it's powerful. Dig underneath anger and figure out what's going on. Anger is actually an invitation, listen, to act on someone else's behalf. Anger is not a sin. You know Jesus was angry? You know where we see his anger the most in scripture? We see it when he, in John chapter two, he goes into the temple and he realizes that there are a lot of people who are being exploited by the money changers. They're selling the sacrificial lambs and offerings at a higher rate than what they should. And they're taxing these people unjustly in God's house. And what does he do, man? He goes in there and he, like, he's the Hulk. He's turning tables and it's like, yeah, Jesus, you go. But what does he do first? John two tells us he steps over to the side and he makes a whip. Now listen, I'm no Indiana Jones. I have no idea how long it takes to make a whip. But I have to imagine it was long enough for Jesus to observe the feeling, label the feeling, and then respond in a proper way. When someone else was treated unjustly, then he responded in a righteous anger. Incidentally, when Jesus was treated unjustly, what did he do? What did he do? He was silent. I think that there is a lot that we can learn. 
from how Jesus handles his emotions. I know there's a lot we can learn. Because, man, when I'm treated unjustly, man, the first thing I want to do is defend myself. But Jesus shows us something different. The last one is depression. Depression, this is, man, I'll be the first to raise my hand. Anybody experienced standing bouts of depression? Yeah. And you guys must be good because the other services were like, <sighs> man, it's, it's tough. And oftentimes it can come within it, especially as Christians, we can, it can bring about and be associated with a lot of feelings of shame. It's like, I shouldn't feel depressed. I shouldn't feel depressed. Why do I feel this? I should walk in the joy of the Lord, you know? I'm telling you, depression, just like every other emotion, is an invitation into discovering more about ourselves and discovering more about God. Like, like the super Christian Paul. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The apostle Paul wrote three quarters of the New Testament, started a bunch of churches. The reason we're sitting here today is because of the apostle Paul. If there is someone who is walking around with a cape and an S on his chest as a Christian, it is the apostle Paul. Do you know he felt depressed? He wrote in scripture about his depression. He said, listen, I don't want you to be mistaken. I want you to know we've experienced things that have caused us to despair of life itself. We don't want to live. But as he expressed that, as he got some space in it, he let the healing balm of God's word press into it. And he said, man, we're hard pressed, but we're not crushed. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. And he let that depression take him into a deeper understanding of God. Depression is an invitation perhaps to reapportion our values, priorities, schedule, and identity. These are God-given emotions that, man, unfortunately we have just, as a church said, it's not okay to feel these things. I'm telling you, it is not just okay, it's imperative to health. The last thing we've got to do, if you're taking notes, is we've got to file your feelings. I'm not going to put these up on the screen, but I'm going to give you a couple practical ways to file these feelings. Essentially, what this means is that we've got to put it at Jesus' feet. And that might mean just kind of coming to Jesus and, and saying, Jesus, here's what I feel right now. This morning, I walked around my house holding my baby. Before I came, I walked around my house and I spoke out loud. I said, I said Jesus, I'm just experiencing some emotions right now that I don't understand, I don't like. I don't, but I, like, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm feeling right now. And there's something powerful about that because he can handle it, guys. He's not afraid of our emotions. We might feel intimidated by it, but I promise you, he's actually inviting us, welcoming us to put him at his feet and go, hey, child, friend, I know. Just bring it to me. Maybe this means you gotta start a journal. Just say, hey, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what, but here's what I know to be true. And, and man, God, help me to help my feelings and, and, and what I know to be true to start lining up together. And I'm choosing to trust you in this. And, and you'll start to see some healing. Maybe, maybe you need to seek counseling and that's okay. <laughs> I don't know why there's a stigma about counseling like it's the last resort, but I'm gonna tell you right now, I think it's more preventive maintenance than anything else. Bad people don't need counseling. All people need counseling. I am a firm believer and we see counseling regularly. I think it's so important to have somebody who can, you can bounce off these things that has, a, has an unbiased perspective that can point you back to truth and reframe your perspective. Perhaps you need to, in your huddle, you need to begin to find safe spaces of community where you can communicate these things, hello, and not plaster them all over Facebook. Come on, can I get an amen? 
Jeez. We are to be kingdom people, life-giving people. Listen, our rants, our raves, all of those things are not meant for us to just continually plaster. It's not a bad thing to express emotions every once in a while publicly, okay? Especially when there's like some major injustice that needs to be attended to, okay? I get it. But just to constantly plaster stuff on Facebook like it's your personal diary, come on. We've got safe spaces that we can do that in and we can dig in and we can figure out what's going on with our emotions and then we can bring it forward, submit it to the Lord and we can be life-giving, kingdom-building people. Come on, friends, this is, this is what this series is all about. What are we chasing after in this series? What's the point? We're chasing after peace. That no matter what we experience, we wanna experience the peace of God. That is a much more pervasive emotion, joy, than just chasing happiness or chasing something that's fleeting. And, and so we're gonna respond. And, I, and I, I don't know what it is that you need to do as far as like really kind of filing your feelings away in this moment, but this is not a moment to just, okay, we're gonna head out. We're just gonna like get, get to the grocery shop or whatever. This is a great space for us to just begin to go to the Lord, come to the altar and say, hey God, here's what I've been feeling lately. And I just, I need to get this off my chest. I need to talk to you about this. I need to let your scripture come over me right now. So before we sing the song, let me read this verse to you as it kind of a launch pad for this time. It says this last thing that Jesus said, or one of the last things as he's about to go and be tried and crucified. He says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And Jesus, I just pray that right now as we step into this space where, where we respond in worship, we sing, we let what's going on in our heart, what the Holy Spirit is doing in each one of us right now, we let it come out in, 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 this, in this response to you. I pray that you would just help us to begin to unravel some of the things that we're feeling, the emotions that are scary, intimidating, that are, that are negative, that we don't, we're not familiar with. Help us, to, help us to just bring them to your feet, Lord. Help us to come to the altar knowing that we are loved no matter what we're feeling right now. We are your children. We are people called by your name. That you love us despite of us, despite what we're feeling, despite what we're going through and in spite of what we've done. So Jesus, do something so powerful in us right now that we can only give you credit for. In your name we pray.